The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to the Agile World Podcast, where we discuss customer experience, employee experience, and transformation in an Agile age. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, a blueprint for creating an experience-led organization, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World Podcast. I'm excited to introduce part one of a special three-part series about how security teams have responded to the pandemic and what actions companies can take to fortify the enterprise. Brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. Today, we're going to talk about some impacts from the pandemic, and we'll discuss the roles and responsibilities in security and what approaches organizations should take to build talented security teams. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome the Practice Executive for Risk and Security Services at Tech Systems, Mike Mulligan. First, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and what you do at Tech Systems? Greg, how are you? Um, yeah, I've I've been in the tech industry for gosh over 20 years now. Um, so we've seen a lot of different things, and I spent most of my time in front of customers in that time frame in the infrastructure space, the security space, and currently my role today is I head up the risk and security area of the business for tech systems. Uh, so I lead our North American teams as we work with customers to uh, build security solutions and help them along the way and the challenges around cybersecurity, privacy, compliance, and areas like that. So um, there you go. Great. Well, yeah, looking forward to having this conversation. And so let's uh, get started by uh, providing a little context and, and background for the audience. Uh, how is the typical security organization structured in terms of the different types of roles and, and responsibilities? Well, I think as everything we talk about today, you know, there's a new normal, right? There's the yeah. there's the COVID uh, normal. So everything's evolving and changing. I mean, certainly in most organizations, large organizations, you have a CISO, a chief information security officer, or maybe just a chief security officer, a primary decision maker. But what, you know, has certainly been um, seen here recently, and really uh, security leaders have been saying this for a long time, but security is everything, you know, whether it's a development group developing an application, whether it's an IT group that's, um, you know, dealing with uh, network infrastructure and servers and the like, it could be physical access, right? You know, we have a lot of different access points physically in an organization. Um, we've got these IoT devices, Internet of Things, creating, you know, more connected devices. So, you know, when you really think about what uh, security leaders and organizations are dealing with, it's all organizations in a lot of different areas of, of 
the business have to think about security. So I think what you're going to begin seeing, and you've already started to see, is these organizations really rethinking and evolving that structure. In addition to what I just talked about, uh, the trends around cloud and digital transformation and this ever-evolving threat landscape, all those things are accelerating in, in the COVID, I can't call it post-COVID world, but, you know, the COVID right. world that we're in. And I think that, you know, what you may begin to see is this security leader over all of those functions, uh, whether it be IT security, operational security, privacy compliance, fraud, all these areas of the business that are dealing with it in some way, shape, or form. And perhaps um, over time, you'll have you'll have one leader that kind of brings all those organizations together. So everything's changing and um, and accelerating. Um, so it's hard to say like what it is. And, and, and um, certainly I think there's some things where we might be going. Yeah. So uh, with, with all of this change and, and evolution happening, whether it's caused by the pandemic or, or planning for post pandemic or anything like that, how do uh, security teams and IT operations teams collaborate and work together amongst all this change? Is there often friction between the two? Well, I think so. I mean, I think there's always been some friction there. They they have two different charters. You know, the IT operations team may have historically historically dealt with the help desk or network infrastructure, server device support, really trying to enable the business and continuity. Where the security operations groups were dealing with assessing risk, uh, vulnerability, dealing with cyber attacks and threats, um, and really trying to maintain compliance and secure the business. Um, they were distinct groups with, you know, separate functions in a charger, uh, di- distinct charter. Um, but clearly friction occurred, um, you know, historically and in, and in, you know, the world we're in today and where we're moving, you know, you're dealing with speed of delivery or speed of resolution in the IT operations world. Whereas, you know, the security folks may be thinking more about secure delivery or resolution to those incidents. So, now more than ever, they must work in collaboration and partnership. And it's for all the things we just kind of talked about at the onset. Um, yeah. Digital transformation going faster, more technologies coming into play. Um, the threat landscape is increasing and evolving. So it's really unprecedented precedented partnership that has to occur now in this new reality. So you may see things like new metrics and objectives of those teams working together. There's more workloads in the cloud. There's more work uh, endpoints to secure. There's more infrastructure to secure. Um, so inevitably, they're going to have to work really closely together. Yeah. What are some of the ways, I, I mean, you mentioned that the pandemic has uh, impacted uh, security and, and and the teams involved, but what are some of the specific ways that pandemic has impacted them? Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, probably, you know, and I'll try not to do that. But, you know, I think the first thing that most of us began to see is, um, was there work um, that was stopped, like a major identity um, access management program that, you know, uh, a company may have planned? Did they Did they put that on hold when the pandemic began to impact the business. Yes, of course, there were there were things that were stopped. There were investments that were held on to. 
But I think when you looked at um, overall, businesses were accelerating a lot of the existing trends. Um, you know, digital transformation efforts did not stop. They increased. Um, you know, and that creates more work for us to secure in the security organization, more attack surfaces to be uh, targeted from the bad actors. I mean, we have to talk about this remote workforce thing. I mean, most organizations went from having some workforce remote, um, you know, probably somewhere around, let's call it 20%, depending on, you know, um, organizations. You know, we went to 100% in a lot of cases, and you're probably very quickly, right? And you had to immediately move to enable the business. And, you know, to do that, you, you opened some gaps more than likely because you had to run the business. So I think we're probably going to stabilize somewhere around that 80% number. Um, but, you know, I think most organizations have seen some good productivity with this remote work move. And, um, I, I don't think many of us see us going, you know, back to the traditional model anytime soon. Cloud migrations accelerated, the threat landscape, uh, as we've talked about, bad actors. I mean, I call it a bonanza for bad actors, like COVID created more opportunities for fraud and, and more opportunities to take advantage of uh, the situation. So I, you could go on and on. Automation, um, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, why do you think security talent is in such short supply, particularly um, compared to even other IT roles, which can also be, um, you know, sometimes hard to fill? Well, um, it's a great question, and and I think we all wish we had answers to it. Uh, <laughs> I think the first thing that, that you would you would probably say is this was an epic talent shortage pre-COVID. I mean, in some cases, you you've seen um, you know um, somewhere between 2.8 and 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs globally. I mean, that's a that was a tall order before all the things we just talked about that have occurred since COVID, which has clearly, you know, created more pressure on that. Um, so it's, you know, COVID's only worsened the impact. Um, you've probably seen, you know, massive increase in these attacks. You've got your remote workforce. Uh, quite frankly, these teams are outnumbered um, by, by these bad actors in a lot of cases. Um, so, you know, why is it worse than other IT skills? I think it's, one because it it was bad before and now the pressures are are even greater and I think there are some solutions that we've got to we've got to talk about um, you know this bringing remote skills to the market is a really big deal you know mm-hmm. now that you can access talent um, and hire talent that may not live or come to work in your local building or market every day and you can use technology. It's a huge deal to access the talent that, you know, may not exist in, in your local that really held us back. So I think that's going to be a big thing. Um, you know, um, outreach yeah. to diverse talent pools is a big deal. Um, you know, in particular, women are underrepresented in cyber. Many other um, minority groups are underrepresented. It presents a huge opportunity to use that as a vehicle to help solve some of those problems. That, that we're dealing with. But, um, yeah. you know, I think to say that we're going to solve it tomorrow, I think it's, it's going to continue to be uh, under pressure. 
Yeah, yeah. Why, um, what types of skills or competencies should organizations then look for in that, that security talent? Well, you know, this is, um, we've talked about this at the onset. Security needs to be in everything and everywhere. Certainly, engineering skills are kind of a foundational element for a lot of people um, in this in this space, um, you know, and further looking for folks that have automation skills or even, you know, artificial intelligence experience, machine learning. Like that's a big area for us to leverage to, as we mentioned earlier, help us solve this uh, talent gap. I mean, some of it's going to have to be done through automation. Um, so certainly you're going to look for those type of, that type of talent foundationally. After you look at that, I think we need to get really creative around, you know, people that have innovation skills, people that really understand problem solving and can, and can work with a team collaborative, collaboratively to solve problems. Um, and those people may need to come from, and I shouldn't even say may need, they likely need to come from areas like finance, core business areas core operation areas and kind of cross-train some of these folks um, because, look, we're solving business problems um, in a lot of cases and we're solving, um, you know, things that are propelling growth in, in these organizations and we, we've got to balance that with with the, the security aspect. So um, I think at the end of the day, kind of cross-training some of these folks might be um, some skills that you know, allow you to retrain folks and not just look outside for new talent. Yeah. So um, to, speaking back to the attracting from the outside, um, though, what are what are some best practices that um, I mean, I love the, the cross training idea for for some of the internal talent. I think that's great. Um, but what are what are some best practices for organizations that are probably competing with a lot of other organizations in the same in the same situation and trying to attract um, and retain uh, security talent. What, what can they do to stand out? You know, there's two things that I would go paramount. There's many more, but let's go with two things that are big. You have to use this remote worker thing to your advantage. This is a huge opportunity. Being able to access these talent pools, let's say you have an opportunity in Chicago, and historically, you only looked in Chicago for that talent to come into your market, uh, into your building and do work with your team there. Now you're able to look for that, that talent that may exist in DC, that may exist in Seattle. And because of this remote work thing, it's more common and certainly more agreed upon by both parties. That is a big deal. You've got to take advantage of that. Um, you know, and kind of this new way of, of thinking with this remote workforce. Yeah. And then it's compensation. I mean, we've talked about the levels of demand in this space and the low levels of supply. This, this work requires a lot of experience and a lot of high level skills. And you've got to take care of these people in line with that demand. And I think the misnomer that sometimes or the mistake that sometimes we make is that we think that well, wait a minute, I'm using this remote thing. I'm in a market like Chicago or New York City. I found someone that may not live in a high, um, you know, cost of living area. Perhaps I don't have to be as competitive with my compensation package. Well, think about that for a second. I mean, it sounds good, but 
Now these folks also have access to all those other opportunities as well um, in different places. So they're kind of, they're not mutually exclusive. You have to kind of think about using this remote worker option to your advantage, but also, you know, securing them with the yeah. compensation package that's in line. So I think those are really paramount things um, that I would focus on. Certainly giving them, you know, career development and all the other bells and whistles around cool technology and the freedom to work on some things outside of their core, you know, kind of going back to that innovation problem solving thing. That's that's going to uh, encourage people to uh, to stay with an organization. But you got to get the first two things right. Yeah, yeah, great. What um, what advice would you have for companies that might be considering buying uh, security services? What are the pitfalls they need to be aware of, and are there better approaches? I think as I've worked with organizations that are hiring service provider to do a lot of different things in this space, um, the first thing that I would say is they're they're a very educated buyer, and um, they do their research. There's so much available digitally now for organizations um, and find out what they do. Um, you know, so most of the time we see a lot of decision makers or buyers that kind of come to us all already with a bit of a preconceived notion of what they want and who they think may be the folks in the industry that can help them solve those problems. So I think that that you got to do your research from that perspective for sure. And you certainly want best in class solutions. We see this all the time where organizations may only look to certain brands uh, or certain name brands, if you will, to bring in and, and talk to. There are many providers outside of, let's use the air quotes, top tier that have the ability to really customize solutions and bring their best teams and best people to your solution. And they have the ability to deliver really high quality and best in class service. So my point that I would I would wrap up here as a recommendation would just be don't just rely on, you know, the same organizations and the same name brands all the time. You're looking for best in class solutions. There are a lot of different diverse providers that can probably solve your problems in similar yeah. or even better ways. Great. Well, uh, one last question before we go. Uh, there's clearly a lot of work ahead for organizations and still a lot of unknowns as organizations continue to navigate their, their stages of recovery. In your opinion, what should organizations be thinking about for 2021 as it relates to their security posture? I know you've mentioned a lot here, but you know, what's, what should be top of mind? I mean, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, um, it's a lot of the same things that we've seen accelerate here recently. Remote work is here to stay. You've got to stay on top of that. And, you know, you've got to keep moving forward there and, and plugging gaps and, you know, tools that need to be available for those users to be productive and secure. Digital transformation efforts are going to continue. They're going to create more attack vectors and more attack surfaces as you know, we become easier to do business with. That's going to create more, you know, things that we've got to go uh, protect and secure. Uh, the bad actors in all forms are expanding and taking advantage of, you know, the world that we're in. Uh, the talent shortage continues, so you've got to you've got to be able to find ways to, you know, use that to your advantage, as we talked about earlier. And look, I mean, I think we all believe more compliance 
is coming, right? I mean, we already are dealing with this privacy um, thing that's going on across all industries and and the tech landscape for sure around data. Um, you know, post-COVID compliance things will occur, with safe returns to work and other things that will probably happen out of this, other future pandemic planning. We've got a new administration that, you know, could have new compliance and regulatory things that we'll all have to deal with. So I think it's a it's it's a very similar book. Um and it just seems like there will continue to be more pressure here um in all of those areas that we just talked about. So um you know I think those things have to continue to be top of mind and, and pervasive uh from you know the board um down to the business units and the security and technology areas that that are trying to evolve the business. Yeah, great. Well, Mike, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way uh, to keep up with what you and tech systems are doing in the risk and security space? Well, I think the best way is, um, you know, techsystems.com is a, is a great resource. There's, there's some drop downs there for our risk and security services. And it's a great way to do some of that digital research we talked about before. And there's plenty of different um, things that we have out there uh, and available for, for folks to uh, tie into. So. That's what I would say, Greg. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Mike Mulligan from Tech Systems for joining the show. Learn more about Tech Systems and their perspective on security at techsystems.com slash version next now. I'm Greg Kilstrom. Thanks for listening to the Agile World. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, from my website at theagile.world or on Amazon or other retailers. Until next week, stay agile.